0: Hello and welcome to the 20 Questions podcast with Tyler Aiken. I'm your host, Tyler Aiken, and thank you so much for joining us for our very first episode. And since it's the first episode, I'm just going to explain how the show is going to work. Each episode, I'm going to have a new guest on the podcast who is an expert in the world of sports. So sometimes that will be a broadcaster or a player or a general manager, or in this week's case, a coach. And we are very lucky, in fact, that the first guest of this show will be a member of the Buffalo Bills coaching staff. He used to live right behind me back when he coached for the Syracuse Orange football team and has now worked his way up to the big time, the NFL. So please get ready for 20 questions with Jim Salgado. Hey, Coach Salgado, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great. How about you? I'm having a wonderful day. Um, So for those of you guys that are listening that don't know, Coach Legato has been with the Bills for 2017, and I believe you have a new title this year, right, Coach?
1: Yeah, going on year six here, coming up here now with with Sean. And I was recently the Nichols coach the past couple of years and then just got uh, switched over now working with our safeties.
0: Wow. So let's keep working your way up in the NFL in the NFL world, that's awesome to hear. But we're going to get into your NFL experience a little bit uh, later on. Let's take it back all the way to the beginning. How did you really get involved with and fall in love with the sport of football?
1: Wow. Just thinking about being the youngest of three boys and my oldest brother, Rich, who was six years older than me. So when he was playing, I was always running, following him around. And I was a water boy
0: for the high school team and just loved being around the game. And my brother,
1: Rich, who's not a coach, uh, loves, loves football. And he would bring the old eight millimeter film home, throw it up on the wall, the projector spinning, and I'd be sitting in there watching him and just studying the game as a young, young kid. And, and that's where, to me, I guess with my big brother, just following him and being a water boy, and being around the players in the locker room as a young kid, just kind of fell in love with the game, Started so playing,
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and just fell in love with it. We had a great program that I played for at my high school at New York Park Memorial, I won a lot of games. And I just fell in love with the game with all my friends and just grew up playing as soon as I got into high school and on the freshman team and then on the varsity and, and it was on the college and here we go.
0: Yeah. So you started when you were just, you know, being a water boy, being into the sport any way you can, and then all of a sudden you're at high school, New Hyde Park, and you're getting recruited for college. Talk to me a little bit about what was the recruiting process back when you were playing to play college football?
1: Wow, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, recruiting was was definitely a lot different from the standpoint of technology that we have now. It didn't exist. There was no digital. You had to have film or as I got into high school, they started going into VHS tapes. So you had to have tape put together, sent out to coaches. I had a great high school coach who helped me with that and able to get all the film that I needed out to all the different schools and, you know, all the coaches back then, they traveled, came right to your school uh, to meet you or come to your games and have a chance and an opportunity to watch you play and you had to perform like anything else and you had to be a good student that hasn't changed we probably never will we gotta keep your ducks in order take care of the business in the classroom and then do well on the field and you'll have opportunities because I really believe even with my kids to this day I always tell them there's a place for everyone if you really love something whatever that is whether it's sports education if you love it enough there is a place for you to go to And they're out there all across the country. So I was very fortunate that I ended up at Hofstra University, which was probably only about 15 minutes from where I grew up, and was able to spend four years there in college and fell fell in love with the game even more and the friendships and to this day that 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 carry on. Uh, And then from there was getting into coaching. Yeah, and the rest it's
0: history. And so at your time at Hofstra, I believe you helped the team to a national semifinal in your first year. You had some real early success in college, started for three years there. Early success in college, making it so far in the playoffs first year there, did that really, how did that impact your mindset and your outlook headed into the next three years of college? Did that make you hungrier? Did it make it seem easier to kind of back off and not work as hard? How did that really change your perspective
1: well I think when, when I decided to go there one of the biggest factors after the education part was what is this program about do they win and they had a lot of history of winning so going there the expectations were high they were a playoff team in the past so having that early success and making it that far uh, was an unbelievable season and maybe hungrier Right, because you know, if if you settle on what you've done in the past, it doesn't matter what you do, uh, it's going to hit hit you right in a in a in a tough spot where you don't want to be, and you're always looking to grow. That growth mindset of how can I get just a little bit better each day, and for me and my teammates, it was about going out after that loss. What are we going to do to take it to the next level, and You know, it's about putting in the time, putting in the work, in the classroom, uh, in the football classroom, in the weight room, staying in the summers, working hard, going to summer school so you can be with your buddies and work out all summer. All those things, you know, that was part of our program and the expectation. And I was fortunate enough to go to a place like that that had that and learn from the older guys. And then eventually it was my job to teach it to the new guys. Came yep. into the ground.
0: And so you talk a lot about teaching the new guys. You ended up becoming a coach at Hofstra less than a year after you finished up. Had you been planning on going into coaching for a while?
1: I, I wasn't. I went into Hofstra as a business major. And I'm thinking right there in New York, and I'm going to go into the business world. I wasn't sure what part of it, but that was my mindset. And then I missed it so much when I finished – plan my last semester, I was just going to school. No football, no any football requirements of me to do anything except be a normal student and take care of my education so I can graduate on time. And that was was the most important thing. After that, I said to myself, you know what? I don't know if I wanna start working yet. And one of my teammates, brother was a head high school coach and needed a coach that summer and he said hey my brother's looking for a coach you know if you think you'd be interested in at Long Island Luther High School that was my first job and I did it as then I was just graduated I'm living at home I'm coaching high school football and I loved it Absolutely loved it. And my coaches knew that at Hofstra that I was doing that. And then they asked me to come back in the following spring. And that's where I started coaching in college. And then it took off from there. Once, you know, it's like anything else, once you get hit with that bug and it's something that you love to do, you know, it just kind of caught me there. And it's been with me ever since.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, you didn't really take much time, like you said. It was a pretty quick transition into coaching. So, what were the difficulties going from playing on the field to being on the sideline? Was that was that a real big learning curve for you?
1: Yeah, you know, you you know the game from playing it, but it's a big difference to now have to go teach it, right? And so, a lot of work had to be put into that. As you're a young man coming, all of a sudden you're in charge of. A group of young men. You got to get up and present them the install, whatever that plan is for the day. And if you've never done that, you know all of a sudden you're asked to do that. Well, that's that's different. So I think, excuse me, that took a little bit of time to get used to. And I luckily I had some great teachers that I was working for that helped you to help you grow in that phase because trying to put a lesson plan together making sure that your players understand everything that they need to know going into that week, that practice, every day. There's so much detail as a coach where a lot of people always ask, what do you do all day? You know, if you're just coaching football, you know you just go out in the field, and then what do you do? I'm like, hey, there, there's a lot that needs to be planned from the practice times, how much time you're going to spend on certain periods, the walkthroughs, uh, when are you going to go against the offense, when are you not? when am I going to have individuals so I can teach each person that you're coaching their individual technique and fundamentals that they need to play their position. Then it's okay. Now you're getting ready for a game. Well, this day you got to work on first and second down. The next day you got to work on third down and there's red zone, and there's there was so much detail behind the game. I think that the normal person, the normal eye doesn't see every day what goes into it, but You know, those were the challenges for me going from being a player to just showing up every day, go to meeting, coach tells me what to do, study film, get ready for a game. Where you, as a coach, you're playing, you're spending your whole day pretty much preparing for that two hour practice.
0: And so there, that's the transition from playing to coaching. Then you spent your first 10 years coaching, bouncing around the whole Northeast. You in Boston, Western Connecticut, Long Island, a few places. Where, where's your favorite place to coach? Where was your favorite place in those first 10 years where you were like, I love being here?
1: Wow. Great question. You know, right away, my three years at Millersville University in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, unbelievable, unbelievable time there. Uh, I grew so much. That was my first time where I was the secondary coach. It was a full-time coaching position, quote unquote. Every coaching position is full-time, but as you start in this profession, they don't pay full-time, they don't give you benefits, they don't, there's a lot of things that you have to work your way through. And that was my first one where I was a secondary coach. I have full-time salary benefits, the whole bit, but uh, on the other side of it is the guys that I got to coach. It was one of the top Division II programs in the country. Dr. Jean Carpenter, uh, who hired me back in 1997, was when I was there was the winningest coach in Division II. We won. Our, I think the worst year we had was maybe seven and three. And you would have thought we were three and seven. Wow. With those guys and i still got great relationships with those guys still communicate some guys have come to games some guys i've gone fishing with those guys on a fishing trip and just we're still close and we had a great my last year a great run we made it to the second round of ncaa playoffs just a lot of those guys were were special uh, special guys special group uh, of young men that uh Loved it there. And the guys that I worked with, too. Just, just some really, really good football coaches and good people. That uh, It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And just being able to really, like, know that you made it. You have a full-time job. You're, like, they expect all, all that out of you. They trust you. It's got to be a really great feeling. And then kind of taking a look at another one of those moments in your career when you first got to Syracuse back in 2005, you officially had a D- de- D1, Power 5 school, talk to me about how that felt when you finally made the jump to a school like Syracuse, who, you know, is not necessarily a football powerhouse, but is certainly kind of like it, when you're a Power 5 school, there's a certain reputation that comes along with it. So how did oh, that yeah. feel, that jump?
1: That, I'll never forget when uh, Greg Robinson called and I saw the phone number pop up on my phone when I was coaching at Northeastern. University up in Boston, and I had interviewed already, so it'd been like a week, and I was waiting to hear, and here comes, here comes that call. And I flipped the flip phone open, and a little small talk, and then he offers me the job, and uh, we were in the middle of a recruiting weekend at the time, so I'm trying to be a great host to all the young men and their families that are there, but uh, I had to walk away, and call my wife and let her know that the good news and it was just, wow, Syracuse. And for me, being a New York kid growing up in Long Island, there's a lot of people that I know that played there that I have the utmost respect for The on some great football teams. For me, that was like, this is the job. I'm in, it's big time ball, it's Syracuse, I'm a New Yorker, I can go back home recruit the area that I know well that sent so many players to Syracuse that have had went on to have great success. I was just so fired up. And, uh, you know, we went up there and, and the relationships that we made with your family, other families that we still keep in touch with to this day, you know, it was special, special. It was our first home that we ever bought right, be, right below you, you guys right there. Uh, love going back there and uh and seeing you guys and everybody on the block uh just just a great great moment when that happened
0: and then you really had a lot of success at Syracuse I mean that defense during those years some one of the best turnover causing defenses in the whole country but then the team's record didn't really hold strong with that so how are you how do you deal with mentally being a coach on a team where you're doing your job and your side of the ball looks great and the team still isn't kind of getting those tallies in the win column.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, that's the great thing about football. It's a team sport. Uh, It's very unique where 11 people have to operate as one. And sometimes the cards don't fall the way you'd like them to fall. And the only thing you can do is keep pushing, keep coaching your guys and doing your job, doing your 111th. Right. As we say here in Buffalo, uh, because that's all you can do and stay in the moment, be where your feet are, be a good teammate, be a good coach. You know, support the head coach. Right. And the message that's being sent. And we fought all the way to the end. Uh, You know, I'll never forget when that that time came where they said they were going to make a change. I believe we still had two games left. And we went to Notre Dame and we coached that whole week like it was Nothing was different, and I went out there and beat them, you know, at, in South Bend, and it was just an unbelievable feeling uh, for the players, for the coaches to get that win, and and on the road against a pretty good football team. So you know, that's like anything. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be times where, you know, the ball won't bounce your way, you know, and you can't sit there and and, and feel sorry for yourself. You just got to keep pushing through it, and, and that's what we did. And, uh, you know, for all of us that were on that staff because there were some great coaches on that staff and it just didn't work out, you know, and unfortunately, you know, and nowadays with everything being on TV and, and all those things, that you know, the patience is, is not one of our country's strongest suits when it comes to athletics.
0: Everyone expects the best right away, and sometimes that can be just too difficult to put on the field. It's really hard to kind of grow a team from the ground up and speaking of growing a team from the ground up after Syracuse, you went to Cornell and then Princeton and at Princeton, you ended up becoming the defensive coordinator. So what in your mind, when you finally got that defensive coordinator role, you really get to sink your teeth into creating the defense, the style that you want. What were some of the first things you were like, I want to implement this style of defense right now?
1: Well, it was a long time. You know, waiting to get that opportunity and Bob the head coach at at Princeton, is a great friend and, and who's trusted me to do that. And so I was very, very appreciative of that. And the biggest thing besides from the scheme standpoint was, was I want these guys to play and play hard. So when other teams see our film get passed around around the league, that they see 11 guys flying to the football no matter what the situation is, how many plays you got to play. And it doesn't matter. These guys play so dang hard, fly around. That they're going to be tough to beat. And then from there, now, as you get into scheme, you know, trying to be an attack-oriented defense, that's where I, for the most part, a lot of schools I've been at with an attacking front, uh, being an aggressive team, a team that's not afraid to, to challenge. Coverage wise, from being a defensive back, I guy, like having guys that want to get up on the line of scrimmage, play some press, get after people, affect the quarterback, right? All those things come into play in playing great defense. First is always going to be, you got to stop the run, right? You got to stop the run or else you don't have a long day. I don't care where you are. Then we're not going to give up any big plays, right? If you don't give up any big plays, doesn't matter, you're gonna have a chance to win a game, right? And then you gotta take away the football, right? Take away the football on defense. If you can do that, you're gonna have a chance to win because now you're getting extra opportunities for your offense. And there's nothing more demoralizing for an offense that even if they're moving the ball, somehow you can take it away from them, whether it's an interception, a punch out, causing a fumble, a strip sack, all those things. You know, that's what we try to be when we were at Princeton and uh, you know, it was, uh, I was had seven, yeah, you know, seven years there where man, you talk about some great guys. I've been to weddings now, guys that I've coached and just the relationships, the, the guys that are still there coaching that I'm still friends with. What an awesome place. Let me tell you what, what an awesome place. And when we got there, we weren't very good. It took a couple of years, but and when we left, we were two-time Ivy League champs, uh, top offense, top defense. Our kicking game was awesome. And then seeing where they are now, because you like to, when you leave somewhere, you like to leave it. You know, when you leave, that it's better than when you got there. And to see where they are now and how they're continuing to win and, and doing the great things that they're doing there, it's just a great feeling. Love watching them to this day.
0: Yeah, and then when you said, you were talking about your top things on defense. Number one was stop the run. Has your philosophy changed over time as, you know, the NFL especially has become a much more pass-happy league. Mm -hmm. Have you really had to change your defense philosophy and what you prioritize since so many teams are just passing the ball so much more now?
1: You know, you still got to stop the run because teams are going to try to run the football. And, you know, if you have a front, that can stop it, what you're trying to do is hopefully make them one-dimensional, right? Make a team one-dimensional. And if they're trying to run the ball, we're gonna take that away from them. So if we can take that away from them, now you make them one-dimensional. Now, okay, they're gonna throw. Whatever they're down is, second and long, third and long, whatever it is. So now you you know and your players know, okay, they're gonna throw the ball here. So now this is how we're gonna tackle them. and. To me, if you can make a team one-dimensional, you're in the driver's seat, right? They want to be. Most of these teams want to be two-dimensional, where they you're guessing, right? If they gain four, four or more on first down, now it's second and medium. Are they gonna throw? Are they gonna run? What type of throws are gonna be? You know, now you're trying to defend a lot of things. If it's second and seven plus, eight plus. the the percentage is so high for teams to throw. So now the calls you're making are more towards passing game. So you feel more comfortable. Your players know what's coming. Now they just have to defend the actual play or the route. So I think at the end of the day, you have to stop the run first. Because if you don't, it'll be a long, long
0: day. I definitely agree. It seems like the Bills defense has certainly been doing a good job of that over the last few years. And we'll finally kind of get to your spot in your position with the Bills. So how did you end up getting the call there? Who was the one that contacted you and talk to me about finally breaking into the NFL? What was that like?
1: Well, throughout this whole coaching career, you know, the NFL has a Bill Walsh uh, minorities coaches internship. And I've always tried to, you're always trying to get better. Right. And those are in the summer when they're in training camp. So a long story of it is I get selected from the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2002 or 3 I'm losing years. But one of those years where Sean McDermott was the safeties coach at that time. Uh, I was working with Ron Rivera, and he was the linebackers coach at the time. And I can give you a whole list of the other assistants on that staff that went on to become head coaches. There's a lot of them. So that's where my relationship started with Sean and Ron. Now we fast forward, Sean's now the defense coordinator at Carolina and Ron is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. They invite me down to intern with them. And you know, you're, you're down there working hard, trying to get better, learning things that you can bring back to where you're coaching and my relationship grew with those guys and Sean one day when we were together, just, you know, always said to me, he's like, Hey, he was having, a, his career was already rising and the teams were looking at him as a head coach and he said, Hey, if I, if I ever get one of these, you know, I have you on, on my list you know, coaches have lists of guys, maybe they might hire down in the future if they ever become a head coach. And next thing you know, he's interviewing with a handful of teams and, he gets the Buffalo Bills job of all. And it's in New York. Uh, My my wife is, uh, lived here in Orchard Park way back when and her whole family were Bills fans. So that week when he got the job, my phone rings and we had talked the week before. And the next thing I knew he calls and says, hey, I got this job, I wanna know if you want it. Next thing I knew I was on a plane and I'm in Orchard Park. here now going on year six so wow yeah that's how that that all transpired Mm -hmm.
0: and pretty much any NFL player will say going from college going to the NFL it's like the biggest jump that's where the biggest transition is the most challenges is it a big jump when you're coaching in college to coaching at the NFL level is that is it a bunch more difficult when you make it to the big leagues
1: it's you know the game is the game. The biggest difference I would say for me would be, you know, you're coaching 24-7 football and studying the game and studying other teams and to the one millionth degree compared to in college, you also have to recruit. You gotta spend hours of time watching kids, whereas as in, pros you have people in the scouting department that handle that so you're not spending time doing that in college you got the whole you're the coach you're like the second dad to the kid you're recruiting you're on the phone calling recruits on the drive home at night after practice and then you're answering calls when you're home you could be you know relaxing but all of a sudden joe smith calls you from Charlotte, New York, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and he wants to talk to you. So you gotta pick up the phone so I can recruit that young man. So you're on social media, right? Twitter, Facebook, you name it, they got it. So you, th- those were the biggest differences to me from college to pro, whereas now when I'm here, I'm just doing all. Everything is done to how can we get our players better, our scheme better, studying ourselves studying other teams within the league and how can we constantly keep growing how can I teach better football all those things uh, would be the biggest difference to me from being in college to to now in the NFL
0: yeah and then obviously you know you're making the jump to the NFL you're probably happy no matter what but was there anything in the back of your mind were there any concerns that You knew you were joining a team that was probably about to start a rebuild. Was that concerning at all to you, especially because rebuilds certainly not a sure thing in the NFL?
1: Yeah, Uh, there really wasn't any concern of, you know, it had been my dream of mine to coach in the NFL. So this was my first opportunity where someone called me and offered me a position on an NFL football team. I have been interns on many teams, but this was, hey, this is a position you are on the staff. And it was somebody that I trusted, right? That I had a relationship with and felt really good about for me to pick up and move my wife and three kids back up to Western New York. And when I came up here I remember I landed and I got picked up and they brought me over to the facility and my first meeting was with Leslie Frazier, our defensive coordinator. And I spent a couple hours with him. That was part of the first part of it. And I was just like, wow. This is impressive. Like, I was so impressed by the man he was, uh, how he taught. And I said, this is, I want to be here. I want to be able to learn and grow, right, as a coach, not only with Sean, but with Coach Frazier. And then meeting the other coaches that were on the defensive staff, I said, this is, this is, you know, a no-brainer for me. I'm going to go home and talk to Carolyn about it, my kids. And then we made that decision. And the rest was uh,
0: history. Yeah, and clearly that rebuild did work out uh bills have been in the playoffs a bunch of times a lot of success i do want to pick out one specific play though and don't worry it's a good play not a bad play i'm to take <laughs> us back to the 2020 playoffs when a guy that you specifically coach as the Nichols coach taron johnson had that pick six 101 yards yes. to the house to kind of clinch that win for the bills over the ravens send them to the afc championship game when you're watching that play happen how, how did that feel in your head, knowing that that's the guy you've been coaching up and he just completely changed the game for the Bills on, like, one of the big, biggest stages in the world?
1: Wow, that was – let me tell you what, that was something else. Uh, to see him make that play, I was just so proud of him. You know, when it happened, I was on the field. And I'll never forget it, when he intercepted the ball, I saw him going for it. So I was like, he's got a chance to pick this thing off, and he did and in my head, the first thing I said was, in my head was, go down. <laughs> I said, go down. He was in the- <laughs> and then I saw him take off. And then he's running towards our sideline. And I'm like, holy cow, he might he might go. And then I see Tradavis out front. And then Jordan peels back on the guy that was chasing him from behind. And I'm like, he's gone. And we were just, you know, going crazy on the sideline and just to see the growth of him since he's been here, he's going on year five coming up here and to see the growth of what he'd been through not everything was great. Right. There's some ups and downs as a young player is going to have. And, uh, but man, he just kept working and working and to see him all the work pay off for him and make that play. He had one, I think a few weeks earlier against Pittsburgh as well. And, and just, uh, an awesome, awesome feeling, a proud, proud moment. And I know this town will never forget that play.
0: No, so, definitely not. So then you go from working with Johnson, and now as the safeties coach, you're going to be working with who some people consider one of the best safety duos in the league, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. What are you what, looking forward to working with them? Such a great duo already established. What's that feel like to be working with those two guys going forward?
1: Oh, man, I'm lucky. You know, they're, they're two great – great young men that uh, I've been around for the last I was here when when they came and visited that first year and uh, both were free agents and I remember meeting both those guys I was like man these guys good dudes good dudes and and what tremendous hard workers uh, leaders you know leaders of our defense in the back end and and just have, have grown just like we talked about Tyron just proud to see them how they came here, where they started and where they are right now. And I'm just looking forward to working with those guys, learning from them and hopefully helping them take that next step and, and just to keep growing as as individuals and keep getting better in their fundamentals and helping this team continue to grow and win and take it to that next level. That, that That's the ultimate, you know, goal for all of us.
0: Yeah. And you keep saying, you know, talk about, going to the next level of this team, growing and improving. And the Bills have been one of the best defenses in the league over the last few years. So how do you keep improving? Where, which spots on the defense do you see kind of getting better over this next year? What are you going to focus on headed into the next season? Obviously, Vaughn Miller joining the team. That's certainly helpful. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, where, where are you looking to go up next year?
1: Well, I think, you know, for all of us, that growth mindset of keep continually working, keeping your feet where they are, right? Be where your feet are, keep getting better, working on your fundamentals, right? Working as a unit, which we've been doing the last seven, eight weeks through the spring and OTAs, and now we're in mandatory mini camp this week as we get ready to set off uh, for a few weeks off before training camp comes back. And that's the, how do we grow together? Because every year is a different year, as you know. Uh, not everyone is the same that was on that team last year. Last year was last year. So it's refreshed the mind, refocus, and this is the 2022 football team. And we're putting that together on how we can play it at the highest level, the communication, right? Which is a big thing. Uh, playing on defense, gotta have great communication. It starts with back end all the way to the front and everybody working together. Striving to get better each day. And that's all we can control is what we do on that day. And if we take care of that, great things will happen. I I really believe that.
0: We're working towards the end of these questions here, almost done. And you've talked so much about how much you love coaching, how much you love working with people, getting them better. And I know you're going to be continuing doing that, giving back a little bit to your hometown down in Long Island. Talk to me a little bit about what you're going to be doing uh, next week.
1: Yeah, next week we go back and back home to New High Park, leaving a Sunday night, and we've done for the last seven, eight years now it's been. Uh, my brother Rich, his nickname is Big Daddy, has the Big Daddy football camp back home for the youth uh, at our high school, and we're going to have a couple nights, Monday night, Tuesday night, where we, we have a camp and try to have some fun and teach the young boys and girls the game of football and try to teach them the proper way the fundamentals uh, of how you play football from running, catching, blocking, tackling, all the basic things that they need to learn uh, and try to have fun with them. Right. So that they enjoy it and they can learn and hopefully continue to go on and keep playing for their teams and their towns. And then eventually hopefully moving up. It's been a, it's been pretty cool seeing the kids who started off maybe in, First grade, second grade, and see them come back every year and grow. Uh, it's pretty neat to see those guys uh, and the parents. You know, some of the parents are people that I went to school with, or my brother went to school with. Seeing their kids come through. I just had one of my best friends send me an email last night. His two boys were coming, so it's just it's pretty neat, and I'm really looking forward to getting back home when we do it. We also, my um, brother will have someone come in and feed the kids after practice at night, you know, and uh, we usually pick a couple of different places, pizza back home, Umbertos, uh, I think Chick-fil-A, you name it. And we just try to take care of our campers and, and show them that what the game is. Cause the game has been so good to, to us, to me and both my brothers, uh, and to a lot of people back home. So we try to share that with them. And then with that, I also have, uh, a DB D-back, a D-back camp. It's called Pick 6 DB camp. And that's for high schoolers. And to teach a high school player how to play defensive back the proper way. And to me, it was always important. When I started, it was we didn't – no one really taught you how to truly play DB if you were a corner or safety. What are my techniques? What are the fundamentals? How do I backpedal how do I turn, how do I transition, all those things, and it was basically just get out there, you got that guy, cover that guy, all right, you're in cover three, don't let anyone behind you, you know, and so for me, it was, you know what, I really want to try to teach some of these guys who want to, want to do it, and so I tie that in on Monday morning, we do like a two-hour camp where I'll get, you know, a bunch of kids from different high schools, and they come out, and we get out there, and go two hours all out of learning how to play DB, all the different fundamentals I need to know. So that's what we'll be doing next week.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, hopefully if anyone is listening and is down in Long Island, they go out and join that. And I'm really glad you brought up food because that brings me to my last question. There's a lot of debate, and especially as a Bills fan, I have my opinions. But in you're in in Buffalo. Where are you going for wings? What's the number one wings place in Buffalo?
1: (sighs) I'm probably going to go over to uh, East Aurora. And bar building. Unbelievable wings, beef on weck, uh, you name it. I don't know if I've ever been there where there's not a line out the door, whether it's in the afternoon, on a weekend, at night, that's a spot that you want to go to and love it there. Love it. I Anyone that's come up to visit me, we've ordered from there. Either we've gone there or ordered and took them home and Nobody can believe how good they are. They're like, this is ridiculous. So,
0: Barbell is the spot. You heard it here, folks. Barbell, that's where you got to go for wings if you ever go to a Bills game. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome talking to you. Another big thank you to Coach Salgado for coming on to the show. I had a great time talking with you, and I also had a great time talking with the next guest on the podcast. I won't say his name quite yet, but – we do have a play-by-play broadcaster from ESPN that will be on the next episode. You will not want to miss it. And the only way to make sure you won't miss it is by making sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All the information for that is down below. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of the 20 Questions podcast with Tyler Aiken